everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. How's it going, Corey? It's going fine. I mean, you know, Kathy's coming tomorrow. My mm-hmm. house still isn't done. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was my two-year anniversary at my job day. Hey, I saw that on some social media or such. Um, yeah, my wife is flying out tomorrow uh, to hang out with Corey for a few days in the old snowy Idaho. Um, I don't know it what my wife melting. was thinking. Oh, well, that's good because she's not ready for snow. Um, but she keeps telling me she wants to see it and she hopes it sticks. Yeah, she wants to see it, but she wants to see it from a distance, I think. She may be oh. more. No, th- those words were not said. I just know my wife. She's one that underestimates the cold. Um, like, she, she bought. Told me? Nikes today, just regular Nikes, despite multiple warnings about buying anti-slip stuff, so please don't let her bust her head open. Um, Okay, but I'm going to bet you a million dollars that those Nikes have, like, tread or pattern in the bottom, so she should be fine. They do. They do. And they're really comfortable. She doesn't like sneakers, so the fact that she's swearing how comfortable they are is really reassuring. Um, I tried to convince her to buy, like, big socks, like, you know, socks that will go up past her ankles. I don't think she did, you know, because my wife's going to do what my wife's going to do. She's hard-headed. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I, uh, we're recording early, though, because Corey doesn't want, uh, rightfully so, to, like, tell my wife, hold on an hour, I got to talk to your husband back in Florida. Um, so we're <laughs> recording a few days earlier than we usually do, um, for Movie Club. And this week, uh, continuing with our theme for January 2019 of Out of This World, we are uh, going to be reviewing Starman um, from 1984, and we'll get into the rest of the stats later in the episode. Oh, also, Ooh. since this is a John Carpenter film, happy birthday to the master himself. I believe he's 71 today. Oh, wow. That is a cool coincidence. I didn't realize How timely. That was... Yes. Um, Which, glad we're recording We're recording today. on Tuesday, so. No, we are I'm not. not. Oh, Shizzle on Wednesday. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know when they come out usually, but by the time that the listeners hear this, it will not be his birthday anymore. So yes. I just wanted to. His birthday is apparently on January uh, 16th, I take it. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That's a cool coincidence, as noted. Um, before we get into our full review, if you're new to the, the show, usually we like to talk about what we've been watching outside of the required movie for the month or the week, excuse me. Um, four movies for the month, one for the week, at least four, sometimes five, depending on the month. Um, and, uh, I'll give you the option, Corey, do you want to start, or do you want me to jump in first? Um, I'll start, my list is probably shorter. Usually. Um, yeah, I've just been plugging away still at Parks and Recreation, and I think that I'm seriously going to write in Leslie No next election, it's fine, <laughs> <laughs> at least then I won't feel like I'm wasting my vote. Um, and I watched, uh, The Lodgers, which was very sh- Strange, um, and I, I believe it was like an Irish movie, but uh, oh, okay. I think I'm pretty sure I watched it on Netflix, and I don't know what like drew me in to watch it, but I don't. I mean, it's a it's a strange movie. It's beautiful, and it is a time. It like I think it probably takes place in the 40s. I think. Mm. Um, it's beautiful. The acting is great. Just. Well, a little strange. I um, I decided uh, last week that I'm gonna start um, on the days that I don't have like a, a prescribed movie per, per se. Like we we pick movies for the movie club, so we already kind of know what we're gonna be watching for movie club every week for most of the year. 
Um, so, like, I know I'm going to watch that movie, and I usually am going to watch at least one major release from the uh, theatrically because of my preference to write reviews of newer movies, but also um, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast I do with Matt. We kind of predetermine which four films we are both going to have access to, uh, you know, for the month that we're going to be reviewing it. So the, at least two movies I watch every week are, are committed for a podcast or review purposes. Um, so whenever I'm just picking a movie randomly... I am going to make myself rotate streaming services or not just streaming services. I'm sorry, medium in general. So like I watched a movie on Netflix the other day. Um, so the next time I have a free day to pick a movie, I either go to Hulu, Amazon or Blu-ray slash DVD that I already own. Um, and, or Vudu also, if I own it digitally. Um, so I'm going to rotate that way. I'm constantly getting something out of the money that I'm spending on all these different streaming services. Yes. Um, cause I like to have options, but I also think, you know, that way if I'm making myself go to each one that I am, uh, getting my full money's worth, um, or at least more Dude. of my money's worth. And they're raising the price on Netflix again. Yeah. They're going to keep doing that until they price this out. And they're also supposed to be, uh, looking for sh- account sharing and, um, there's all sorts of stuff that'll come with that. But I think uh, I have a friend uh, and actually, um, well, I'll leave this nameless for now, but, uh, who's predicted that Netflix, them, Burning the bridges with their main customers who share accounts are gonna backfire, and uh, they're gonna see you're gonna see a mass exodus of Netflix to the other services who maybe aren't worried about account sharing, um, because well, people share accounts because we don't use it all the time. You know, we use and it. We have better things to spend our money on. I mean, I can't afford to pay 60, 80, 100 dollars for streaming services every month, you know what I mean? And yeah. if one person is paying for it and they have two people using it, then that person who's paying for it would feel like they're getting their money's worth and then they still have a subscriber that they probably wouldn't have. Exactly. And that's his his logic is that Netflix could do things where, you know, you make it compatible, maybe like have one account and then like maybe you can have a sharing account for like an extra two dollars or something make it reasonable so that people would be more willing to do it because like you said if i know i'm only going to watch it once in a while i don't and i do pay full price for mine but i'm saying like i get where people are coming from and i have shared other services i've just been a netflix subscriber going back to like the very beginning because they were like the first streaming service and i don't think i've ever canceled completely my streaming service of netflix i've had them since it became available and yet um you know right now hulu and amazon tend to have movies that i'm much more excited about seeing than what netflix has and i feel like let's be real for a minute they're like pushing they're just like pumping out movies and shows left and right and it's Mm -hmm. a little overwhelming i haven't heard good things about most of them well that's okay that's a risk they're willing to take two of the best ones that i've seen recently on netflix um, the Land of Steady Habits, that has uh, Ben Mendelsohn, um, Thomas Mann, uh, Deborah, uh, I'm going to forget her name, well, Edie Falco, and then uh, Connie Britton, um, is really, really good, and it's directed by uh, Nicole Holofencer, and I found that by uh, the end of the year, I was looking for 2018 movies that I missed that were highly rated, and that was one, Netflix original, never saw it once pop up on my Netflix feed until I went looking for it. And then this week, and I'm getting now into mine, I watched Starman since we last recorded. I actually watched Starman on Saturday. Um, Sunday, I, I, w- I went and rewatched uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for the second time. Still love that movie. If uh, Upcoming episode of Top 5 Movies, you'll find out if that made my top five for the year or not. 
Um, but then, and I messaged you about this movie, I found that Tamara Jenkins, who uh, directed Slums of Beverly Hills and uh, 2007 Savages with Philip Seymour Hoffman, which I've been meaning to watch for quite some time. I think time. I own that. I own it as well. I do. Um, and it's, it's actually uh, one I've been trying to get to. But um, her newest film, she's only done three features, um, is called Private Life, Netflix original, stars uh, Catherine Hahn, Paul Giamatti, then you also get Molly Shannon, John Carroll Lynch in a small part. Uh, it, she's not new, but it's new, she's new to me. Kaylee Carter, a young actress who's really terrific in this movie, um, and also uh, in eighth grade when Elsie Fisher's character goes to high school and she shadows the the older kid. That actress yeah. Emily Robinson is got a very small part in this movie, but she's in there. Um, but Private Life, terrific film. Netflix original, but again, like no marketing. So they have good stuff coming, but there's so much. It's such a glut. And if they're not the super big name people in the movie, you're not hearing about it. And it's frustrating because I, I highly recommend Private Life. Do you know what I think also? I think that they really messed things up when they went to you only having two options. You either like something or you don't like something. I do think it hurts. Yeah. I feel like it because I'll like look through the stuff that has high ratings for me and I'm like, I, I've fuck i hate that movie or you know what i mean and yeah. then i go like lower down the thing and it's like i love these movies and i don't even know how they get the percentages since i only have two options yeah and i i often forget like to click stuff percent. um <laughs> but so that that's what i watched and i watched that one with my wife and i think we both liked private life quite a bit um it's one of the best paul giamatti performances in recent time where he's not playing like a crappy agent that to some guy? band yeah yes. um so that was refreshing too he's not like, uh, I think both Catherine Hahn and him have moments where you're like, oof, but they're both also very empathetic and um, even sympathetic, and I really enjoyed their, both of their performances a whole lot. Catherine Hahn especially, uh, I usually find her funny. Um, I've not really seen her in a dramatic Dude, role, and she's I, terrific. I was like, Catherine Hahn, and she's in Parks and Rec right now where I'm at. Yes, yeah, she's and one of she the, um, the lawyer, right? She's the lawyer. And funny. Uh, yeah. She's a campaign manager. Campaign manager, that's what it was. I was trying to, I knew it was like a position where, yeah, when she's so blunt, she's she's in Step Brothers. she's really great, also with Adam Scott, actually, um, and then she's in the Bad Moms movies, uh, probably my favorite part of the Bad Moms movies, um, and they're both entertaining, they're not great, but they're both entertaining, but uh, Private Life, she's like a whole new level, and the funny thing, I know, I know who it is, but every time I hear Catherine Hahn, my brain first thinks Molly Shannon, and so I always have to like, no, no, she's in these movies. Molly Shannon's in those other movies, and so I knew I knew going in it was Catherine Hahn, and my initial reaction was Molly Shannon. I was like, no, 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 it's this actress. And then I got into the movie, and Molly Shannon was in it. Also, I was like, oh, well, that's funny, because <laughs> totally my brain was like crossing them over, and I'm like, oh, well, they're together, so that works out. Um, yesterday I went and saw The Upside, the new Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston movie with Nicole Kidman. It's kind of a weird mix cast there. Um, you know, Cranston hasn't had a lot of success with film. Uh, Kevin Hart usually does dumb comedies. Nicole Kidman, super prestigious actress who's been in everything all of, you know, and she's done some crap too. Don't get me wrong. She's had her share of, uh, I mean, Days of Thunder for the love of God, um, which maybe I'm, oh no, I didn't know Harvey Weinstein's the producer of this movie. Gross. Well, that hurts things, but, um, I, I found it actually really enjoyable. I think it's Kevin Hart's best performance. Um, it's funny and also uh, endearing. Um, and Cranston's, Cranston's really good. Uh, there's a couple of melodramatic scenes. 
Um, it's a it's based on a true story. It isn't. It's an adapted true story. Um, I mean, major things are changed, like just the setting alone, because it's in France um, in the original in the actual story, and this is in New York. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the essence of the story is is the what the similarities are, and it's it's heartwarming. It's funny. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it way more than I expected. Uh, I, there was actually a pretty busy crowd when I went on a Tuesday night. Um, I mean, not super busy, but for our theater, like, I'd say there was like 20, 30 people, which was a lot for a Tuesday. Um, and we all were laughing and having a good time with the movie. So, uh, yeah, Upside, I actually recommend. And then uh, today in my film classes, they're, they're, we're watching a couple different movies. Um, my visual tech class is watching The Post from 2017 uh, as we are concluding our Steven Spielberg study. Um my film one classes were in sci-fi for our genre study and we're w watching the 1954 Godzilla or Gojira uh, which is really cool because I actually thought I had seen it and I haven't seen it apparently um, I've seen other Japanese Godzilla films I may have even seen the Americanized version of this movie um, but it is the tone this movie establishes is so so interesting and um, the room like when it ended was like stunned silence and we didn't even we we were like we have like 10 minutes left but it's like right at the the main part where godzilla's like the the final stand is happening and i could a couple of them were not stunned it was more like we just woke up because we were bored silence but mostly it was this kind of like they were in the tone of the film because it is it's it's a monster movie but it's it's got the horror vibe for sure and more importantly it really doesn't back away because this is not the Americanized version of this movie. This is the original cut with American subtitles or English subtitles. Um, sorry for being stupid for a second. And um, they don't shy away from the the parallel of the atomic bomb at all in this in this version. And I think it, it really like put a, a a seriousness to this film that maybe you go in thinking, oh, fun epic monster movie, and in in that way. When I look back at the twenty, uh, what was it, twenty fourteen, um, Godzilla film, it, I appreciate it even more because um, a lot of people were kind of like, "Oh, it wasn't a whole lot of fun. It was more, you know, dark and and dreary." I'm like, "Well, you know what? That reflects the tone of the original Godzilla film way more than a lot of the like the sillier ones. When you have like Son of Godzilla and like Mecha Godzilla, those are not necessarily bad, but they're definitely cheesier compared to the original film. Like the original film." is masterful and um it was really cool like finally I, again i thought i'd seen it and i'm it's still a chance i did see it a long time ago but yeah i was kind of surprised when i was watching I'm like okay maybe i was wrong maybe i've never seen this version um and i, th I thought the reaction my kids had were really great and we i didn't watch this today i actually technically started it yesterday but my film two class were studying character and we did two things yesterday we watched uh the very first of the six anthology um, shorts for the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, so we watched the Ballad of Buster Scruggs short um, with Tim uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and I had them analyze him for character. Like we talked about, like you know how his costuming is very contrary to his personality, and how the Coens play with that throughout the film, and even you know the other characters doubt him as a gunslinger, and then are sorely mistaken. And um, that led into then uh, they started and they only watched the first 30 minutes so far. They're finishing it tomorrow, uh, but they started searching from last year with uh, John Cho. And man, 
I don't know if I've, I've seen, this group has been with me for three years, and we've watched a lot of good films, but I don't know if I've ever seen them get hooked so quickly in a film. Like, they were really, really in to searching, and they, like, 31 minutes in, I think, exactly, um, where he was really just starting to get into, like, researching all of her friends and stuff. And they were hooked, so it was really cool um, introducing most of them. I have one student in that uh, that class who's seen the film, I think, maybe two, definitely one though. Um, and sh- it's one of her favorite films from last year. So she was kind of watching everyone else watch it, like with anticipation, like to see how they would react to certain things. And it was really, it's it's always cool when they get really into a movie, um, especially a newer film, you know, because it's it's one that most of them either didn't hear about or you know didn't know much about and so like bringing it to them and we're gonna be watching leave no trace and uh moonlight and blind spotting too in the next couple of weeks so i'm kind of like really I'm, i can't wait like, I'm, I'm excited to to introduce these movies that they mostly have not seen um to my classes but yeah so that's what i've been watching sorry to go uh into my full class schedule but i have a lot of fun um getting to teach film so i like to talk about it well, I'm really glad. The only one of those movies that I haven't seen is Blind Spotting, and I need to really remedy oh, that. But I do. hope that they love, 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 leave no trace. Me too. That's the one I'm most worried about because it is so quiet. Um, not it's. I think it's, it's not my favorite of those four because Blind Spotting is my favorite from uh, last year, and that's kind of a spoiler, I guess. But um, it is my. It's it's in my top fifty. Period. Like all time, I love that movie so 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 much it just works for me on every level and um but leave no trace is is way high on my list from last year i i was so into that film but again it is definitely a much more quiet film and i'm not sure how they're going to respond um and it's not like it's slow but it just you know everything is kind of in itself and, and you have to sit with that and um i am curious to see how they connect or don't connect to it and then react accordingly and then um but like moonlight moonlight's kind of the same way though there's moments of like you're just kind of observing and i don't know how they'll respond to it and i do have to skip at least one scene in that movie uh, when he's with kevin on the beach like Um, and observe this (laughs) yeah yeah so uh but yeah i'm excited um blind spotting is gonna be the most i think they're gonna really connect with the most they they really click with the florida project um, like way more than I expected because like I, I love the Florida Project and I wasn't sure how they were going to respond but they really clicked with the Florida Project um, a cool thing I tweeted at the director for searching uh, that I we I showed him in class and that my kids really got into it and then I did hashtag John Cho for Oscars and uh, he liked my tweet so I thought that was pretty cool Yay! So, don't you just feel I feel so nerdy and so like happy and whatever when mine's usually bands and stuff mm-hmm. like my tweets or retweet them Ryan oh, yeah. Adams liked one of my tweets. Oh, I saw that, Corey. Uh, I I was very tempted yeah. to make a joke about it. Um, We're like, not gonna be friends anymore if you I, do. I, I did, but uh, I love him so much, and that was just unreal. Well, I mean, Brian Adams is Canada's treasure. So. Goodbye. Um. So, uh, yeah. The I like that too, though. When when I get, I wanted to really, I wanted to ask him if he would like Skype in and talk to them afterwards or something. Um. Mm-hmm because it is such an innovative film um i i really do i i don't want the computer screen movie to become a norm but what he does in searching is so masterful with it and he makes it so cinematic 
And that was one of my favorite parts after I stopped the movie, like with 10 minutes left of class. And I was asking them like, how is this cinematic? Like explain how they're able to make it feel like a movie, even though it's on a computer screen. And they were, they all had something to say about, you know, how he uses close-ups and he moves this and that. And, um, the use of music and I'm just I was like okay good they're they're seeing one the fact that I can say how is this cinematic and not have to explain what I mean means I'm doing a pretty solid job with them in three years um, but two that uh, they're they're able to watch this movie and enjoy the story and be caught up in what's happening but also make those observations you know uh, it, it made me very proud of them because they don't they're they all love being in my class but they're not all looking to be filmmakers you know um, so mm-hmm. some of them take this stuff way more seriously than others. Uh, but this, the, yesterday, like everyone was clicking, everyone was in, involved. Um, and that, that makes me happy too. Cause while I don't, I don't need all of them to be filmmakers to be happy that they took my class. Um, I do want them to always leave with like a bigger appreciation for the, the craft. And, uh, yesterday was just that affirmation that I like to get from them by them being able to talk about it in that way. Um, you know, even again, if they, if they never do anything outside of just watching movies with friends and family, they're always going to be able to, sh- to like point out things that maybe other people wouldn't know. So, um, there you go. I'm bragging a little bit. Let's get in to our movie of the week. We're looking at Starman from 1984, as Corey mentioned earlier, directed by John Carpenter, um, stars Je- young Jeff Bridges, well, much younger Jeff Bridges, I guess, uh, Karen Allen, who I didn't realize was in this movie. And, um, how I, I'm a big fan of her from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Charles Martin Smith. And uh, I think the only other one that we have to mention... I feel like there's one more big guy. Well, one, I don't know if you've ever watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Corey. Um, I haven't. It's really good. I highly recommend. I, I am a season or two behind at this point, but I was up on it for a while. He is on Brooklyn Nine-Nine now as an older cop and, again, kind of this dumb character. Um, but... He plays cop number one uh, in Starman, but he's one of the cops that, like, they try to catch him at the hotel. And I thought that was really funny, seeing, like, a young version of him also playing a cop. Um, and that's uh, Dirk Blocker, I think is his name. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, a film that I'll read the plot synopsis from IMDb. An alien takes the form of a young widow's husband and asks her to drive him from Wisconsin to Arizona. The government tries to stop them. That last line is poorly written. It's so well. Um, it's, I was going to say well constructed. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, a Metascore 71, but only out of seven reviews. But it has a 7.0 IMDb user score. And this is a movie that our our buddy Mike, who does the Top 5 Movie Podcast with us, has talked about a few times. Um, he is a fan of it. Uh, Corey, uh, do you want to start with your thoughts or do you want me to jump with my thoughts first? You go ahead. So, I knew very little about this. Um, I, I, I think I can conf- uh, confuse it with The Last Starfighter, um, which is another 80s uh, space movie that I've not seen but people love. And so, I kind of went in thinking it was going to be that. And um, I was a little surprised to see a similar plot point of Solaris, I thought, in that there was this um, a spouse who is deceased returns because of some alien presence i thought that was kind of an interesting similarity between solaris and starman that i did not know when we picked these movies and i thought that was a cool little coincidence um i also thought something else while i was watching this 
your two movies have an alien coming to Earth, and both of my movies have us leaving Earth and going to space. And I thought that was also kind of interesting that that's how uh, we accidentally chose our uh, our movies for the month because um, the criteria again being out of this world it could it was interpreted as either aliens coming here or us going into space leaving earth hence out of and um yeah uh i was also excited though because at the golden globes um jeff uh jeff bridges just won um i can't remember the name of the award but it's like kind of a lifetime achievement award at the golden globes and he gave this really cool speech, and they showed a really cool clip reel where they showed a lot of his films. And it made me realize, uh, one, how big of a fan I tend to be of Jeff Bridges. Um, I, I like, you know, I'm a big fan of The Big Lebowski. Uh, not as big as some other people, but I, I very much like his character especially. Um, I loved him in Hell or High Water and True Grit. Oh. Um, I, I liked him in, uh, well, there's another movie that was recent that I really liked him in it. Um and you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. Even though I think R.I.P.D., the uh, rest, in pe- rest in Peace Department, is a ripoff of Men in Black, it's still fun, and that's okay. Um, but again, he has fa- fallen into this playing a cowboy in his old age. Because even in Kingsman, um, the Gold Circle, or what, a Golden Circle, or whatever it was, the second Kingsman movie, he plays yeah. a cowboy, essentially. Um, which is okay, because he's really good at it. I think he nails the cowboy role. But... Uh, I did realize how many of his older films I've never seen, so I was really excited that you had picked this one, um, and I was not disappointed. I actually really loved this movie. Uh, one thing that resonated with me um, when we did our Solaris review last week was you kept pointing out how you had like no emotional attachment to the characters, and I had such an emotional attachment to um, Jenny, who is played by Karen Allen. I felt for her. I, I sympathized with her. Um, and honestly, I also, with, uh, Starman, I thought Bridges' performance was insanely impressive. He is this awkward, he, he comes off more robotic than alien, I think, at times, but I don't know, they don't say much about the alien species, so who knows what kind of alien it is. I was fine with it. It was, you know, it was clearly someone in a human form who wasn't used to being in a human form. Uh, it creates a lot of, as expected, the fish out of water comedic elements, um, that were a lot of fun, uh, but I also thought the drama was not played off. I thought there was a lot of like genuine drama, and um, some of it I saw coming, like some of the uh, little plot points. But I was okay with that. Like there was nothing um, this movie did that upset me um, in any major way that it wasn't trying to. Like I'm not saying this movie is just like nonstop happiness, but every time I was upset, it was intentional by the film. Uh, I I embrace this movie and it's um, honestly it it looks like an 80s movie but it doesn't feel like an 80s movie to me it doesn't feel campy or uh, in that in the way a lot of other 80s films feel um, and I like that uh, I, I don't know I really had a blast with this film um, and again I found myself much more emotionally invested like I like Solaris but I kind of agree like I don't I don't think I was emotionally invested in the two characters, but I was uh, intellectually stimulated, and so I was satisfied. Here, I think I was um, I was laughing. Uh, I enjoyed the sci-fi elements. Um, I thought the performances were both super strong, and I really, really found myself enjoying the characters. And even um, I mentioned Charles Martin Smith. He plays Mark Sherman, who is our uh, 
SETI employee, which I don't know if that's a real organization that's ever existed or not, but it's a part of like Homeland type security thing, but it's uh, searching for extraterrestrials. Um, extraterrestrial intelligence, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but I he, he could have been played as such a bigger villain, and he's not to me. He pl- He's played as an antagonist. He's in opposition to their goal, but he's not mean-spirited or uh, evil. Now, there is another character, which I found really interesting. I don't know if you caught this, but the uh, the head of the department who keeps threatening his job, is his last name is Fox. And all I could think of was Fox Mulder. Fox Mulder. And I was like, is that a, is that a nod to this movie? And it's not impossible. Um, but, it w- I mean, I guess Fox is common enough. But I was kind of like, I wonder. I'm, I'm intrigued. I hope it was now. a nod. It yeah. might be. I mean, this is a, it's a John Carpenter movie. And when John Carpenter was at his prime um you know halloween and and the thing both having been out um so and uh, again from this is it feels like this has like a cult following and jeff bridges obviously is a very well-regarded actor um but yeah that's my initial take uh just listeners we will get into spoilers momentarily but we're gonna hear both of our uh non-spoiler opinions first um so what did you think i loved this movie it was worth watching two movies that I really did not enjoy to get to this one. I know that that sounds so funny, so weird, but like I watch a lot of horror and it just kind of comes with a genre that if I can find just one movie, even out of like 10 that I really enjoy, it's worth it to me mm. because they're just, they're just made. So there's so many of them made. And I, I think that I like science fiction like Mm -hmm. i'm not as big a fan as a lot of other people but you know like i'm going to be reading another book um by walter tevis and like i like the genre so i don't even know what to say i really enjoyed the music in this too yeah i did too It it, it doesn't seem like carpenter did it and that was a little disappointing to me but it reminded me of the music from twin peaks me too. I actually looked to see if it was the same composer because I totally thought that. And I haven't obsessed over Twin Peaks like you and Mike have. Like, I've watched the original seasons. I haven't watched the new season, which I don't think you have either. Um, and I did watch Firewalk with me, but I definitely didn't give it 100% of my attention when I watched it. Um, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't. I was really bored um, for most Dude, of it. Dude, you can't replace one of the main characters with but, some. I like Kyle McLaughlin so much. Like, that's the reason I like Twin Peaks, like, more than anything else. Kyle Diana. McLaughlin is amazing. <laughs> um, even the coffee yeah. and the donut, he just cracks me up. Damn um, fine cup of coffee. Yeah, and he's so excited about it, and I get that. Uh, <laughs> like, and, uh, but yeah, um, I also thought the music was similar to Twin Peaks. Okay, because I was like, it's not as loud or as like... Intrusive. I, I, but yeah, the, I was going to say, I love the music, but it's like so kind of overwhelming sometimes. Yes, but again, I think that's David Lynch's intention. I think he's trying to really hit like i almost think he's mocking melodrama with twin peaks now um like the music especially it's like over the top soap opera synth music and it's it fits perfectly don't get me wrong but i think it's like his take on a soap opera almost you know um like what if soap operas were crazy instead of like a little crazy but like real crazy like you know Um, what if there was a murder and the victim stayed dead 
Well, and like other people would also die and not come back. <laughs> like it's the total opposite. <laughs> um, but so Starman, um, I, I I'm a big sci-fi guy. I think uh, I'm studying sci-fi with my students right now, and I am aware. I'm finding that I tend to lean towards two types of sci-fi. I like the action sci-fi, Star Wars being like my prime example, but even like The Matrix, which The Matrix does dive into the other side, which is I really like introspective, um, philosophical sci-fi, which oddly I say that, but I've never been a huge Star Trek TV fan, and that is clearly that style. But like I love Arrival a whole lot, Um, Annihilation. And the, and the Matrix, again, has both. It has action and has the philosophical. Um, but I don't know that I would have gone to this movie if not for this show. And that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast. And why, listeners, if you've wondered why we do themes, it's because there are so many movies we have not seen that just picking randomly was getting overwhelming. And um, this gives us a, a more specific focus. And like Corey said, um, when you watch similar films you're not necessarily going to like all of them and yet it's worth finding the one because um i didn't like the man who fell to earth much either i did like solaris but i didn't love solaris but i i could see starman being a movie i come back to um it, Without it's a doubt. funny and it's it's super charming and it, man uh karen allen it, underappreciated i think i it just made me so happy like i was yeah. sad but like overall I just, I guess that little bit of, I don't, not positivity, but. Hope, a little bit of optimism yeah. that comes. Yes, optimism. Thank you. For sure. Um, in both, again, with Starman, um, which uh, that's his name, but it's, what is his, uh, man, IMDb doesn't show his human name. What is. Isn't it Scott. I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember, and I'm already bad with names as it is. I think I, I think Letterbox says both. I'm looking it up, but um, it does. It's Scott. You are correct. Scott Hayden and Jenny Hayden. Um, he, man, his mannerisms are so good. Like the way he moves. Um, oh, I do want to point out though. This is early, early in the film, so this is not a spoiler yet. But when uh the Starman goes into her house, and like we see like just like the light or whatever, right? And it's we see it's like scanning things. And she wakes up and walks out, and there's a freaking baby on the floor. That grossed me out. It's so creepy. It's like <laughs> creepy baby. Was hold on. Was this in Mike's creepy creepy kids? I don't think so, because it's only there for like two seconds. But uh, it was I definitely think... in one of his lists. Um, I'd have to do some searching to find out which list it was in. But I think it was in one of the Alien movies. I think it was okay. when we did Top Five Aliens, which you may not have been on. We've done two versions of it. We did like. I think we did top five aliens and we also did a like top five space movie or something. And I think you were out when we did the alien one. I think we had somebody else on that episode. It was year one. I think we did aliens. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, so I've known about this movie through him, but, um, like, yeah, I, I don't curse. So I'm not going to say I, I do curse, but I don't curse on the podcast. Uh, traditionally at least. And, uh, but I typed creepy effing man, baby, <laughs> on my notes uh, while I was watching. I was like, oh my god. And it's all caps. All caps in my notes, which I don't do very often, but I really wanted I mean, to emphasize how creepy I thought it was. If I were to have a kid, I would be, you know what I mean? They're like fully an adult in like five seconds. <laughs> I could get behind that as a parent. <laughs> well, you say that, but when you watch your kid grow up, you start to feel sad that they're getting so much older. But, um, uh, yeah. 
the it is it's a cool sequence though. It's very much Carpenter's special effects are almost always amazing. There's only one moment with special effects that I can't say what it is because it would be a spoiler, but that I thought looked like a green screen. But I still don't hold a fault because it's 1984. I'm not like saying it's bad, but so many of his effects. I mean, if you've seen the thing, you know what Carpenter's abilities are. <laughs> um, and this movie does a couple of cool things, like the the evolution of of the baby. It's creepy. It's very unsettling, and you totally understand why she's freaking out. Um, and yeah, there's some really cool little moments in this movie. Um, so that I think is enough of our initial impressions. We both really like this film. Uh, John Carpenter proving to be a director that both of us are fans of. Uh, we still have a lot of his to see, but the ones that we have seen, um, including I am a big advocate for Halloween. I actually really enjoy Halloween a lot. The original is, is what I'm referring to here. Um, I enjoyed I, the new one too. I did too, but it's not John Carpenter, so that's, that was my oh, emphasis. Yeah, Although he did grant his uh, his he did the score, uh, which is his way of saying yes, I approve. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I love I love that he does that, and that it's such a big part of filmmaking to him. Yeah, is because that's I just feel like that's a totally different you know like avenue of creativity and there's already so much work i can't even imagine it would make my head explode to make a film but to also like go through and compose the perfect music for it also yeah we know um i'm fairly confident and i can't prove this quickly but i am fairly confident that uh clint eastwood scores his directing movies as well um which i didn't know i don't i think it was american sniper where i heard that if i remember correctly and i i might be wrong or no it was sully that i heard that but I don't know if he does that for all of them, but I think he definitely scored Sully. Um, but the composer for this was Jack N- Nishi, um, which I'm a little disappointed it wasn't Carpenter, uh, and a little surprised it wasn't Carpenter, but this guy has a good pedigree too. Um, he did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Stand By Me. Um, so yeah, it's not like he's a scrub or anything. Officer and a Gentleman, which I don't know if that's actually a good movie or not. My wife loves it, though. Uh, um Oh my god, before we get farther into this and go into spoilers, I have to pause the talk of Starman and talk about the big movie news that broke today. I don't know if you've heard, but do you know what Jason Reitman is directing next? No. You know, you know I'm a fan of Jason Reitman. He's the director of Juno and Tully um, and uh, The Air up there and Obvious Child and also a movie I have not got to see from 2018 that seems to have been forgotten, The Front Runner with Hugh Jackman and J.K. Simmons. Um, Jason Reitman, uh, which also, do you know who Jason Reitman's father is? Because I didn't, I never put this together until today. Um, no. Ivan Reitman, um, who is a acclaimed director as well. He directed the Ghostbusters films, the first and second one. <laughs> and that is the news. Oh, Ghostbusters 3 is happening with the, uh, I, I can't be the whole original cast, obviously, as Harold Ramis is no longer with us, but... I'm assuming we're going to get Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, which is a little bothersome because Aykroyd's been up and down. Um, oh. And yet, Jason Reitman being the director, um, I'd like to take this time to publicly say that it is you can thank me and editor of BerkReviews.com, David Ortega, for uh, this happening because this past year, <laughs> I went yes. to New York. I went and saw the Ghostbusters Firehouse with David. We stood outside and took pictures for way too long because we're both huge Ghostbusters fans. And then we went to see Tully. And who was at Tully but Jason Reitman doing a Q&A. And the Ghostbuster vibes must have left us 
and gone to him. Has nothing to do with his father. It is. um, (laughs) And then to close the deal just days ago, like two days ago, David went back to New York just for a little trip, went to the Ghostbuster firehouse, sent me a picture, and then today we get the news of Ghostbusters 3 happening. So you're welcome, everybody. Uh, I did read that. Sorry, you guys. Um, Or I, like, saw a little snippet, and I love that he said that it's for the fans. I am so excited. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and diss the female Ghostbusters. Um, There were good things in it. There were bad things in it. Uh, it was a, but it was a reboot, and I was uh, right away. That was my biggest problem with it was it would have made sense. Uh, there's comic book elements, and there are video game elements of the Ghostbusters idea that they franchised, and that anybody could start their own division of the Ghostbusters in another city, and that would have made more sense to stay within the universe and franchise away from New York, put them in Chicago, put them in L.A., put them in somewhere else, and let them fight ghosts somewhere else rather than trying to rehash. Some of the old bits, some of their own stuff that didn't work. Um, it would have made so much more sense to go that route than trying to recreate the first movie. Um, and I will always be upset with that choice. But Ghostbusters 3 is happening. I am excited. Um, I like Jason Reitman, although there are he has hits and misses for sure in his career. But uh, I am a fan of a lot of his movies, so I am hopeful. And even if there's a teaser trailer out already, uh, it's it's literally it could not be more of a teaser it's a barn we see like electric and like ghost-like music uh and the wind blows and we see the ecto-1 is in this barn um but that was enough to get me freaking excited so yeah ghostbusters 3 guys i'm excited get excited uh bill freaking murray right that's he's the man um all right so now with that said we're gonna go into spoilers for starman Corey. guys from here on out we're gonna talk about this movie in great detail I would say just go buy it and watch it. But anyways, you've been warned. Dun, dun, dun. So, I, I already mentioned the connection to Solaris that I thought was interesting. Um, did you have anything to add to that? Like that? It, did you notice that or pick up on that kind of similarity? No. I, I just am like trying to erase that movie from my mind. Come on. it was Even if you didn't I like it, it wasn't that bad. Didn't um, like it. Um, but they got me right away. Like, because I'm a sap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've been with my husband for 17 years. Yes. And I think that they did a really good job, like, portraying the love that they had for each other. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's her watching, like, home movies of them and they're singing a song together. Yeah. Yep. And she's just like, why do you do this to yourself? Da-da-da-da-da. Now you're not going to be able to sleep or something. And I just think that right away they were able to – and she's, like, drinking wine. And I just – could feel her sadness and her loneliness and mm-hmm. she's like i felt like her house was in the middle of nowhere thank you that's like a common john carpenter thing yeah. um loneliness and isolation it's fine um i just thought they did a really good job illustrating all of that for us yeah i, I had a note during that scene where he first becomes bridges and he's like watching the video and he's trying to like mimic the video that I, it's bridges trying to learn how to be bridges and i found that really great <laughs> um I found that to be super amusing. Um, I and again, I in my notes, I just said like it, his performance that the the movements and how he like talks and, and yeah, it's just it's so cool and fits so perfectly to the character. It, it's Im- just off absolutely impressive. Um, there's so many little funny things in this movie with uh, the gas station sequences where um, 
the take it easy and up yours, uh, you know, where he flicks the guy off later, which has been done in other movies too. But I mean, it doesn't stop being funny when someone who doesn't understand the gesture uses <laughs> yeah. the gesture. Um, the I, yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, just, like, the little details that they put into the movie, um, like, when he's, she, he, like, wants his hat back, but she, like, pops it forward, and she's like, it looks better this way, so then he keeps it that way. Yes, yeah, the little, the little nuances, and even her being upset about the hat at first, um, because it was Scott's hat, and then, uh, but conceding, um, and then when they're at the one restaurant, and the guy has the dead deer on the, the hood of the car. And they go inside and they eat. And uh, I love the Dutch apple pie. He really likes Dutch apple pie. Um, but she's trying to run away. And then when she sees him heal the deer, she changes her mind, right? But that whole sequence I thought was so like so important. I mean, one, it gave us an idea of what his powers are, which they're crazy. Uh, those little marbles that he has that seem to let him do basically whatever he wants one at a time. Um, and then... Uh, he brings the deer back, but then when they're on the run from the cop and Jenny gets freaking shot, like devastating. I was like, and I think that it's really important too, because it, I feel like we're pretty much being told that he won't be able to get home without those maybe, or maybe he won't be able to, it's definitely that he's got a limited amount, right? Like, yeah, make it for very long. And the things that he's willing to like spend them on, Mm-hmm. Like the deer. He, yeah, and then Jenny, like, not even a well, question. Yeah, no surprise that he heals Jenny. He clearly no. is taken by Jenny. Because when, I think it's the the restaurant right before she runs away, she says, if something happens to me, you need to know how to get gas, you need to do these things. And he's just like, he's he's not listening because he's like, what, what could happen to you? He's so not okay with that concept of something happening to her that it, it completely derails his, his goal of getting getting home. Even though his life is at stake, like he has to get to this place or he's gonna die. Um, and um, when the cop kills her, I was like totally shocked that that happened. Um, even the sequence at the hotel where they're like about to kiss and then someone bangs on the door. Well, he's about to kiss her. Sorry, she's asleep. I think. Um, and it's the guy like, "Hey, someone's trying to get in your car." But then the next scene is those guys helping him trick the cops. You know, yes. like with throwing the vending machine down the stairs, I was like, "Oh man, one, what did he yeah. say to them that they decided to help him like that?" Like, <laughs> they probably don't like cops. Yeah, they were super, super nice. Um, they were Tar Heel fans too, which I think Kathy what? would get a big kick out of because yes. there was a big sign uh, that said "Welcome Tar Heels." Um, North Carolina. And uh, yeah, but when the, the I don't remember the explosions after Jenny's shot, right? Like he runs into the gas like the big the big explosion he walks out holding her right mm-hmm. that's, that's how he eludes the cops and then um that was the worst looking scene i think in the movie as far as special effects go but i can forgive it because again it was a massive ball of flame you can't exactly put do you jeff bridges in that scene but holy sh i'm trying to like add here and i'm having a hard time oh add what um hold on 18 you're adding numbers and... okay 16 that was made 35 years ago <laughs> oh got it yes yeah it's it's dated again uh, i'm not judging harshly but by carpenter's mm-hmm. standards um those were like the worst looking and and his standards my expectation for carpenter of carpenter special effects 
are high because of the thing. Like, I, I just, I, I am like, I know he can do stuff. And again, it probably couldn't have been done a better way, but it was the only time I was like, oh, that doesn't look so great. But I thought, like, the, the flying saucer stuff and um, all of, like, even the little details, like his hand turning red when he was using those marble things, I thought looked really good and was really cool. Um, even the deer, because I assume the deer was fake for at least a good <laughs> chunk of that, and it looked very lifelike in how it moved and whatnot. Um, I, there, so he learned very quickly... Obviously, yes. he just watches her a little bit. So she decides to let him drive because she's very tired. And then <laughs> she's like, that was a yellow light. And he causes an accident with the yeah. semi in another car. And she's like, you just ran a yellow light. And he's like, green means go. Red means stop. And yellow means go very fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just thought that the humor in this was so, like, it was spaced so well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just felt very human. Yeah. I, I... I connected with these two characters uh, oh so much. Um, I really felt for Jenny. You know, she she loved her husband. Um, he died in an accident. Uh, something with his job, I think, is what we're told. Um, and you know, here all of a sudden is this man who looks like her husband, and it's there is some concerning things because she does seem to fall in love with him, and he's clearly not her husband. Like personality wise, he's not her husband. And so there is, like, some concern, like, is he better than her husband? Like, is he so kind and so uh, nurturing and caring naturally? And there's no implication that her husband was mean or bad to her or anything like that. But we don't get to know him very much other than the the little video and that she clearly misses him. And that's enough for us to know that she loved her husband. So that makes this, I guess, harder to believe that, like, you could just fall in love with a guy who looks like your husband who has a different personality like that's a little disturbing um but he's he is i mean i love him i think he's great like i think he's what a what an awesome creature or obviously he looks human but he's not human so what an awesome creature that he is the way he cares about things the way he like you said willing to use those marbles for things that maybe are completely selfless um and so i love both of these characters although i still again it is slightly concerning that she could get past the fact that he only looks like my husband and he's an alien but i'm still going to you know but fall in love i don't i don't think that it's saying that he's better than her husband but he could be good in a different way true true and and that is definitely a possibility but it's still like you know imagine if bill looked like bill but all of a sudden was a different person again not necessarily a bad person just a different person like his his mannerisms are going to change the way he walks changes uh for the most part you know he's he's walking a little more robotic in this movie like it it would be weird if they were just suddenly different um and it could also be saying maybe her husband was a saint and this guy just exudes that to the next degree uh i just you know i guess he doesn't come off as human because he's so caring and so kind and so i mean ultimately selfless because even when they do have sex, um, which is a very intimate and very tasteful sex scene, um, especially for an 80s movie that could have easily have been, like, exploitative and whatnot, it's it's not at all. It's a little long, I thought, but again, it's, like, just long with them kissing. It's not long, like, graphic or anything. Um, but, and then, I knew he was going to tell her that she was pregnant um, because of the, the conversation where we couldn't have kids and whatever. I was expecting that not a, not a criticism just i was like oh man she's gonna be pregnant here comes the sex scene yep that's gonna happen 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, she's like, no, no, I can't. But then, no, you are. And I love some of the ways he talks about the baby. And, um, you know, he's remorseful that he can't be with her. And she's sad that he she can't go with him. But at the same time, there's no, like, fear about her being pregnant and not having him. Which I thought was kind of interesting, too. Like, that she's okay with being a single mother. She's confident and... Um, but, I like that. I mean, uh, I because th- he's like it's part me and it's part your husband, and yeah. I, it, she can't ever tell anybody that. True. <laughs> because then her baby will be taken for testing, um, you know. So I just feel like I don't know that whole thing. What's going to be strange to whatever explain, which isn't even part of the movie, but that's where my mind wandered. Well, and he says something to her, like, after he tells her she's pregnant, he's like, I can stop it if you want. So it really, he, Carpenter wants us to, or it's not, Carpenter didn't write this, but um, they want us to know that she has the choice. And she, she doesn't, like, hesitate. She hugs him, like, you know, she wants the baby. It was something she always wanted with her husband, and was, they were not able to conceive. So this is a true gift, and she appreciates it as a gift. Um, and I love that kind of confirmation. Um, I also, I love the Vegas scene where he's able to get the jackpots. Um, <laughs> super fun. Um, and then they just go buy a Cadillac with cash. Yeah. Just, and apparently no questions are asked. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, oh man. Oh, I love when they both kiss Sherman too and say thank you because like she kisses him. <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> Dude, Bridges didn't hesitate or anything. Right he just went right lips. in. Yeah. Like heads turn, turn, you know, cocked to the side and everything. Oh, it was good. And I really liked Sherman. Me too. I liked him a whole lot. Um, and, like, I love when they're, like, sitting at the table. And I surprisingly didn't cry in this movie. But, like, I wanted to. I was, like, right on the verge. Because they're talking about how he talked to somebody, in his boss in the FBI, and he said, we're, if nothing else, we're being really rude because we invited him here. Yeah. And now we're not going to let him leave. And then he says, so you're an anthropologist pretty much. And it, it, like, we find out that he, they've been to earth before and he, uh, Jeff Bridges character says, shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are at your very best when things are worse. Yes. I love that line. And um, I was just like, I had to like rewind it and watch it again. Um, I just, uh, man, I also liked um, when he asked her to explain goodbyes early in the film, and then when the, when they're actually saying goodbye, tell me how to say goodbye again, and then uh, she says, "Kiss me and say you love me." I just, man, it's such oh. a sappy line, but it's so romantic, and um, yeah, I I really thought it ended strongly. Um, and uh, oh, so I did some research because she's pregnant. And he gives her the last bead, the last marble, right? And says oh, yeah. the baby will know what to do with it when he's older or whatever, right? So <laughs> implying a sequel. So my first thought was, oh, there must be like a B-movie sequel of this, you know, where it just goes right to VHS or something. And there isn't. But I found out something really cool. Uh, did you happen to search for a sequel by chance? No, but I am right now. Well, and I'm reading. You go so right So get ahead. this. There is no sequel right now. But... Just a few months ago, um, I'm going to get the official date because there was a bunch of articles on it. Uh, October 2018th, 
October 12th, 2018, sorry. Um, Screen Rant posted, and so did many other news uh, sites, Jeff Bridges wants to do Starman 2 with him and Karen Allen in it. And, um, oh man, how unique is that? That that just came out. Like, Bridges talking about it a few months ago, and here we are watching the movie unknowingly that this had happened, that he was wanting to do a sequel. So I'm like, come on now. I'm in. Let's do Starman 2 with... 1,000%. Karen Allen. We got Jeff Bridges. I don't know who we cast as the now adult baby, but I don't care. Get somebody good, um, and let's get a freaking movie going because it sounds great. I I want to see what happens, and <laughs> it's been as you said, thirty five years, right? So the baby's not a baby. Baby's thirty five years old. I love the quote. It's all set up very much like Lebowski, like the little dude, the dude in the oven, and Starman, Karen Allen. She's got a bun in the oven as well. Yeah, I, I would love that to happen, um, especially now being a fan of this movie. Uh, well, I'm going to tweet at him. Let's do it. Um, so, okay. listeners of BurkeReviews.com, please, uh, if you want, if you like this movie, let's let's make Starman 2 a thing. We can Even crowdsource if it. if you don't, and you, <clears throat> just like us. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I'm sure Mike would be in on this, too. Um, this is one of those things, guys. It's an opportunity to change movie history get everything going and uh i think we need to because i i don't know i am definitely on the jeff bridges like high right now and we are going to be doing i think march we're doing uh four jeff bridges movies that we haven't well at least two of us sorry there's only two of us at least one of us have not seen um every week for the month of march and then uh april we're doing sally field right so um I'm on a, a, a big Jeff Bridges, like, you know, he's great. I, I wish I'd seen more of his movies earlier, but I'm excited to see them now. And this I, movie's one that I'm definitely glad I finally watched because I, I love it. Looking forward to I, seeing more of it. Agreed. And I feel like I appreciate it more now than if I had seen it as a kid, maybe. Yeah, oh, for sure. I definitely, I think as a kid growing up, I would have probably thought it was too sappy of a romance. Um, but as an adult, I'm, I'm okay with romance. I'm, I'm all, you know, I don't actively seek out romances necessarily, but I'm definitely not opposed to them. Like I would have been, I think at that age. Um, so yeah, I am glad I watched it now, but it's still, I mean, I wish I would have watched it maybe middle school, like right before high school. I think I might've got a little too jaded on romances in high school. Um, college, I would have started opening up to it again. I definitely am much more receptive to that now. Um, than I would have been then, but I think there's enough comedy in it that I would have enjoyed it still, because I've always kind of liked rom coms. Like going back, even you know, like you look at a lot of Adam Sandler's uh, middle films are rom coms, like Fifty First Dates and The Wedding Singer, uh, Mr. Deeds. Those are all Man. romantic comedies. Wedding Singer is his best movie. I love Wedding Singer. I will watch Wedding Singer almost any time. Um, big fan of that movie. Uh, yeah, and again, I I. Sandler's not like the best singer, but he's a solid singer, and I, I like his performances in Wedding Singer quite a bit. Um, so yes, uh, I'm not going to argue against that claim, Corey. So good, good call. But um, is there anything else you want to add about Starman before we give our our rating? I love this movie so much that I want to throw forty dollars at the re like the reissued edition that just happened <laughs> oh i didn't know about that um yeah i think it was shout factory 
Oh man, it's probably a really cool box art then. Um, and steelbook. Dun dun dun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is tempting because I am. I wonder what special features are on that because there's usually some cool stuff with those type of reissues. Um, well, that uh, our last part of this before we get into next week's movie is uh, our final rating, and I'm I'm gonna go must see. Uh, I definitely enjoyed this film a whole lot. And I think it's one that um, other people probably haven't heard of or slept on like I did for so long. And I'm saying you should watch it. It's definitely worth the time. I'm glad I own it now, uh, even though I don't own that really cool edition, Corey, you just mentioned. Um, I'm still glad it's in my collection and I can come back to it when I want to. Um, I forgot when I was mentioning John Carpenter movies, The Fog, by the way. I'm a big fan oh. of that movie. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie so much. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to throw that out there because that's another Carpenter film that I really, really like. And... Um, I need to watch, I have some more I need to watch. I'm going to have to make a, a priority to add some of his other ones to my watch list. But, um, yeah, uh, that's my review. And I'm assuming, Corey, as that praise you just made, that you're going to say the same. So, Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, so there you have it, folks. Uh, Corey hated the first two movies in our month of um, Out of This World, but liked the la- this one. And let's hope, in fact, I think she already knows how she feels about the next one. Um, we're going to be watching Danny Boyle's Sunshine uh, next for Movie Club. I've never seen it. Uh, Corey, you have seen it, though, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, It's Danny Boyle and has Killian Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so And Chris Evans. Um, I'm very excited to finally see this one. Um, as I've seen most of Danny Boyle's films now, but this one is still on my miss list. Uh, it, it also has Rose Byrne. I keep forgetting she's in this. I am such a big Rose Byrne fan right now. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my god, I also didn't realize Alex Garland wrote it. Did mm-hmm. you know Alex Garland wrote it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, well, I'm so excited about this movie. Now, Michelle Yeoh's in this? Yeah. They're every The whole cast, like, we've talked about this before, I and know. you're like, how haven't I seen this movie? I, I can't I can't get over it. Mark Strong, Benedict Wu, Chippo Chung, like, I, I'm just... I don't know how this movie slipped past me in 2007, which I've heard a few podcasts recently saying how great of a year 2007 movies are, and I'm just still in shock. Um... I will say, though, while I am looking to watch more of Danny Boyle's films, I, uh, I haven't seen Sunshine. I haven't seen Shallow Grave, which is one of his early, early ones. Um, I haven't seen A Life Less Ordinary, which is one I actually do want to see. But I, I'm not going to watch 127 Hours. I don't like James Franco that much as it is. And I, I just... <laughs> yeah, and I can't I can't watch the scene where he cuts his arm off. And it, I just can't do it, so uh, I'm just out. But I, I love I love Steve Jobs so much. I love both Train Spottings. I am a really big fan of Twenty Eight Days Later, Weeks Later. Sorry, no, it's Days. I'm right. It was Days. It's days. Um, and the Weeks was not him. Uh, but and then I was pleasantly surprised with Slumdog Millionaire how much I enjoyed that film, despite the poop stuff. Um, I am still afraid of Sunshine having a poop sequence. <laughs> no, I don't remember there being one, so I think you're good. Okay, because that is always a concern now. I don't Steve remember. Jobs didn't have one, but man, that would have been funny. Um, it would have been Seth Rogen's if there was one. Uh, <laughs> no, I was just about to say that. Um, but uh, that's what we're going to be watching next week is Sunshine. So if you want to give us your thoughts on it, um, you can email us back. Or not email us back. You can email us, but you can also... Uh, I'd love to get some voicemail. So if you want to use the Anchor.fm app to uh, call us on our show and leave a voicemail, you could actually be heard on our podcast on an episode with your thoughts, either on Sunshine or on the movies that we've watched this month in general. So you could talk about Solaris, um, The Man Who Fell to Earth, or 
uh, Starman. And if you haven't seen Starman, uh, one, you probably shouldn't be hearing this because we gave a bunch of spoilers. But um, maybe you don't care about spoilers. Maybe you're like Mike. Uh, let us know what you think about it because we really loved it. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star. And that's on most of the platforms, so Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram. Uh, follow us, and um, we would look forward to having you uh, maybe heard on an episode. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movie-verse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.